Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast, we welcome Rich Balling from The Sound of Animals Fighting, Hospital Gown, Pyramids, and RX Bandits. Rich and I reached connected recently as we last crossed paths during my days at Equalision during the Sound of Animals Fighting release, Lover, The Lord Has Left Us Back in 2006. Now, Sound of Animals Fighting has a new EP called Ape Shit out on Born Losers Records. Rich and I discuss his career balancing music, collaboration, and his day job, some old shows he saw growing up in LA, plus his amazing knack as a teacher in real life to provide some insight and knowledge for those listening about your heart, your mind, and realities we face as creative people. And yes, we talk emo. It's a podcast about emo. Thank you to all the Patreon supporters. If you want to help support $1 or more, gets you access to the Discord, and you support making this podcast and this whole creative that I do possible. So check that out at patreon.com slash washed up emo. Also, Double Elvis, our podcast network, doubleelvis.com. Check out all their amazing podcasts, including uh, Disgraceland. So check them out, doubleelvis.com. This is episode 221 of the Washed Up Emo Podcast with Rich Balling. good as i can be you know i think why do you say that uh, it's been a long uh it's been a long couple years man oh yeah with the covid and the internet and everything else yeah yeah and i don't want to get caught up all in that but just like yeah and you know i don't know sort of some midlife crisis stuff i hear that and uh some odd bouts of depression and especially anxiety and now uh the roller coaster of emotions that comes with playing shows is always interesting like ah, for for a quite a few years pre sound of animals i was like living in ska shame mm-hmm. um with like i loved what i did with the rx bandits but i'm like man like i I feel like a I feel like an actor in a Disney show at this at that point in my life where I'm like I need to do something darker and crazier uh or more serious to shed the uh the remnants of you know my previous gig and so I sort of retreated uh for a good number of years into a world and this is after this started before sound of animals but then after sound of animals started is when i really got neck deep into a world of like experimental black metal and noise music and just really the more obscure and noisy the better i always liken audiophiles or music fans to like you know any any other fanatic where you're just constantly chasing the next extreme um and so I just immersed myself into more experimental, darker music. I don't know if that was a reaction to my previous years playing ska and it was like 
too happy or if it was just something I was getting older and into that stuff more. But regardless, that led to the band Pyramids, which uh, I play in with uh, Matt Embry, who's also in Sound of Animals and RX Bandits, as well as Matthew Kelly, who's in Sound of Animals. And we used first initials and middle names and we put out like five releases on Hydrahead, uh, RIP mm-hmm. for Hydrahead Records, and um, one on Profound Lore. And now we're actually working on a new record. So excited about that. Um, but that that's sort of like if people are like, oh, did you completely fall off the map with creating music? Not really. Um, it much like with sound of animals and using animal names and aliases and masks pyramids was again with aliases and a whole nother genre and trying to move away from not resting on any sort of previous projects, uh, uh, you know, achievements or whatever to start fresh. Mm -hmm. And so I've never gone anywhere. I've never disappeared. I've actually been more active than ever. I've just been choosing to try to compartmentalize projects. Uh, And then in this last year, and this is sort of how I initially got hooked up with Born Losers, I um, started a new, basically a solo uh, project called Hospital Gown. And um, much like many of my other projects, I'm obsessed with collaboration. So there's a lot of collaborators on that record. Uh, Sam from Teen Suicides on there. Cray Sean is on there. Uh, A lot of cool uh, European and Finnish artists collaborated on that. So anyway, long story short, busier than ever and um, went from ska shame to black metal to now strange hyper pop folk concoctions all while maintaining uh the story arc of sound of animals sort of in the background that's amazing that's a fantastic um recap and i will use that as a in my college class um that maybe i'll teach one day i'll use how to surmise yourself since the last time you saw someone (laughs) that was very good um what was i mean it's great that you've you know been able to kind of continue music has that been your full-time thing or has there been other things that you've been able to kind of dive into as well yeah, I've been pretty much maintaining a career in education over like two decades plus. Tell um, me about that. Originally, it was like, uh, you know, at, I feel like I need a steady paycheck. I'm worried that, you know, the dream of being a rock star might fall apart. And what am I going to do? Right. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought teaching was a pretty pretty cool choice of uh, for me in terms of. Uh, there's a creative component with creating how you're going to deliver a lesson, how you're going to bring in supplemental materials to sort of impact and inspire kids. There's a performative aspect where you're actually teaching and leading the classroom and you're like setting up those activities and things. And so that you get like a performative fix, a creative fix. And then there's also the time to create art with, you know, extended holidays and summers off and all of those things. 
So it was a cool way for me to be able to continue making music uh, while sort of building a career for myself. And from there, I went, you know, just sort of climbed the ranks of teacher to instructional coach to administrator. And now I'm a educational consultant. Um, I remember both my parents were teachers and growing mm-hmm. up, I thought every adult had the summer off. Like That's I just, awesome. I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, there's three months off. You go and do stuff there. Your parents are home every day. And I remember like going to college. I mean, it was that far. And then someone yeah. was like, no, dude, my dad works all year. I'm like, oh, crazy. You know? <laughs> like, oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And I, I, rem- you know, I sort of cherish the, the quite a few of the summers that I was able to spend with my two daughters. Um, just mm-hmm. like I'd throw them in the stroller and we'd just walk around the mall for hours, like doing absolutely nothing. But uh, now that I think back to that, it, it feels so like innocent and, and fun. And I have fond memories of that. So that's great. So what about, what was that? What, I mean, the way that you describe the education and teaching very similar, and I see the correlations to performance and, and music. What about that climb? It was almost like you were going from DIY to indie to major, uh, you know, that's, if that's a bad correlation or not, or analogy, but what was that climb sort of, um, where you're at now kind of as a, as a consultant from doing teaching? Like, what was that like? Uh, well, very similar to music and sort of like a life lesson. I feel like I've internalized at this point is just the idea of how important networking is. And I think about, um, you know, opportunities that I've been given and the trust that comes with those opportunities that are given or offered to me and, that sort of comes from years of building rapport and whatnot. And I've used that in both music with collaborators that have absolutely no reason to trust me, but uh, find themselves, you know, jumping in and giving it a try and being pleased with the end result. And then the same with the, the career climb. It's like, all right, you start one place and Uh, much like with music, you're not satisfied, you get restless. So you want like, you want to one up yourself and go to the next challenge. And you can't stay in any one genre or any one place or with just a, you know, anything static, you have to continually challenge yourself and grow and move forward. And so that's where the climb comes from. And the networking in both capacities seems to have been, uh, very helpful. Are you doing the same sort of teaching as you, as you climbed? Did you get into different disciplines or what was some of the, yeah. Oh, it's always been an English focus. I have a bachelor's degree in English education and I have a master's degree in educational administration. So, uh, I've always considered reading language arts as my like niche. Mm hmm. So, and then um, for it, that, like, it, did you, did you do that early in life? Did you have that all done before we had met or did you do that kind of after you had said like, Oh God, what am I going to do? I need a steady paycheck. I've got other stuff going on. What, what was that sort of some of those decisions? Kind of, kind of a mix of all of that. Like first I started at a community college and I never thought that I would 
actually graduate college. And so when I was in RX Bandits, I would sort of tour every other semester and then tell the guys, hey, you know, let's not tour this semester so I can keep going to school. And so I would go to school every other semester, tour every other semester. Wow. It took me eight eight years to get my associate's degree because I was on this like extended tour schedule. And then, then I sort of put that to rest and didn't, didn't, do anything in terms of transfer to a four-year college until I had done a little bit more touring. And that's when I started to feel like, oh man, if this doesn't work out, am I going to be like 50 going back to, to college? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'll just, well, I feel like there's a waste of time. I felt like there was like a gun to my head. Like I had to make a choice between responsible life and rock stardom or whatever and uh, the rock dream or whatever. And so um, to be honest, uh, you know, now, now that I've been through all that part of me is like, well, why didn't I roll the dice and do what everybody says? You got to live your dream and take a risk and all of that. You did as well. You did. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And that's the thing I have to like, I have to learn to be, pleased or content or satisfied with you know the great things that i've been able to participate in because the truth is that you know at one point i dream i dreamt about even just playing a decent show you know and now i've played hundreds of those or whatever and so it's just like i don't know it's more of that restlessness i really really wish that i could control that a little bit better about myself i wish that i could feel less restless, be okay with what I've accomplished and just like enjoy roaming the earth, you know, but we are, we are very similar. I think, you know, there's uh, that, I feel that sort of like there's a timer above my head. This is supposed to happen at this moment. This is needs to happen here. Um, but I think you've, I, I mean, I'd feel the word that keeps coming to me is you've been able to find a balance. You've been able to, like even you did that innately with our expanded. Hey guys, I can't do this. I got to go back to school. I need to do that. Like back then, like, you know, yeah, to be able yeah. to have that. So I think that's amazing. And I think you're still doing it. You're able to, we're talking because, well, we've known each other, but also you've got a music thing going on and you still got your job. So I feel like you've done an amazing job um, to balance that and be able to continue to fill up yourself with that music love and then could, you know, sort of be able to balance the other, you know, day-to-day shit that we have to do while we walk this earth. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you observing that. And I, I do think that I don't give myself enough credit with that sort of thing. I, I do think that it is sort of a blessing, the balance that I've, you know, figured out. Um, but yeah, it's just there's always that tendency to want to do more, you know. Is it because you're seeing yeah, what other people are doing or just yourself inside and your maybe, ideas? Because that's I, me sometimes. Be, I'm like, yeah. I have a thousand things that I, and it's like, which one do I pick? Yeah, I think it's a little of both, man. I definitely suffer from FOMO. Actually, one of the things that I, um, told myself I might I I will seriously consider is after these two weekends that are coming up with these shows that I will look into 
just getting rid of my iPhone and buying one of those dumb phones, like the light phone. Yep. Um, that just doesn't have an app store and doesn't have games and doesn't have social media. And I just don't know if, if that would be doing myself a disservice or if it's actually going to help me live a healthy life. I don't know. Well, I don't think I, I, I agree with you. And I, bring, I only bring that up because as we crossed over into that, what other people are doing, I think that that largely is responsible for feeding my personal beast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard. I mean? It's hard because there's this like constant, you know, I, I think if I didn't have washed up emo, I think I would be on it less and less and less, but I feel like I need to know when, Oh, that thing got announced or yeah. that band is doing this. I got a post about it or, and then I slowly got, I slowly leaned back and was like, not fat Joe leaned back, but just leaned back and, um, and yeah. said like, and just said like, okay, well I'm going to post what I want. I'm going to talk about what I want. I'm not a news site. And I feel like almost personally, we feel that like, you know, people, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's a definitely, I, I was speaking to a, someone in college, um, the episode that just came out this past week, um, with uh -huh. Melody Caudill, who's Jeff Caudill from Game Phase's daughter. And it was amazing to talk to her about dude, social I media. Check that out. I gotta check that out, dude. That's amazing. But she's like a freshman in college. So I was like, tell me. What's going on with kids right now? Wow. How, how the fuck are you dealing with this? And she's got a really great answer, so everyone should go listen to that. But I just think that's a really, it's a valid thing for that you to, cool. for you to think, for you to be aware of. Like you, you seem to be very present of like this, this feels this way, and um, it's not bad or good or better or worse, but it's more of that that focus and like you said, the word restlessness of I. You you are a creator. You're creating in the classroom. You're creating in art. You're creating with friendships. You're building those things. You're constantly kind of like building on self. And I think it's almost like I I wish you know yeah I wish I love I was on a plane and uh, it didn't have Wi Fi for six hours and yeah. <laughs> and I usually I'm on planes that all have it and I just was like this kind of rules. Like, yeah. let me get and and I was uh, I really enjoyed it. So I feel like you're probably balancing that of you know I I uh, your brain would probably be thank you as you're either working on a class you know yeah. uh, syllabus uh, or a musical endeavor, right? Yeah, I would think so, man. That's that's what I'm hoping, and so I'm gonna try to to make it less make myself less dependent on being plugged in all the time my my greatest fear i think is like being restless and then one day i die and i spent the time like internally grappling instead of just being happy for what i have recently i took up yoga which has been tremendous for me that's part of the midlife crisis and then i also have never gotten any tattoos until recently i've like 10 planned already well i started a midsummer uh theme on one of my arms okay. like from Mid midsummer the movie and i have an appointment in may to get like a powerpuff girls sleeve essentially on the other arm yes <laughs> so. now i wouldn't call it a crisis i've been saying mid life is or sorry mid crisis awakening 
So if you'd oh, like to, yeah. if, if you'd like to like adopt that. that, please use that moving forward. Okay. Yeah, I might do that. It's a little I like softer. That, the spin on that. It is softer. <laughs> it's more hopeful. It's more hopeful. If you would talk to someone and they, a kid yeah. came up to you at a show and said, yeah. um, I, I love this music, but I have this job. What oh. do I do? Yeah. No, that's a good, that, that is a good question. I mean, the honest answer, even though I've been sitting here saying, oh man, sometimes I wish I would have just abandoned everything except for following the dream. But like, the truth is, is my answer to that. And it has been a real life uh, discussion I've had with many people is like, you know, college isn't for everybody, uh, but you should definitely have a plan of some kind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say don't go all in, man, you know, but, but the whole thing of you could be whatever you want to be. Sometimes I wonder just how true that is, you know? So if we're going to be realistic, we maybe would say, we wouldn't say that we could be whatever we want to be. We could say, Hey, try really hard to achieve your dreams and your goals, but have some sort of plan underneath it. And that makes me feel like a dad talking, uh, but I am one. So, but you know, like if you're going to tour, take some online classes. I don't care if it's like one, I don't care if it's like one class a year, as long as you have like something else going on so that, you know, if one plan drops out, the other one is there and you're, and you don't feel like, Oh, I just devoted 30 years to something that fell apart. Now I got to start from scratch. I don't know. So maybe I'm projecting my personal fears onto other people with this advice, but That's I fine. do think that I, I do think that there is a flaw in the whole, you can be whatever you want to be. I think people do need to consider what might happen if what they want to do doesn't pan out. What will they do? You know? And I think that, having something concrete going on on the side is not a bad idea. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I mean, I was just talking to Scott from Texas, the reason, you know, he was always into cooking. Right. And nice. he was telling me a story and we were at his restaurant and he was just like, I, that's kind of, and he kind of fell into it. It wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't, he didn't realize it as it was happening, but he kind of tapped into his loves. And that's what I kind of tell people. I'm like, what else do you yeah. like? Do you yeah. like, like you said, teaching, like, cool, let me dip into that. So no, I, I think, I think you, uh, I think as a dad talking, I think that was great. But even if, even if you weren't, I think that's um, solid advice for someone to really ask themselves those questions. What else? Yeah. Um, because it's kind of like, it's the same thing with like when you, when there's a basketball player, you know, trying to be in the NBA, there's only what, f less than 500 NBA players. Like there are other yeah. things you might need to, you might play in France. <laughs> <laughs> you might play yeah. somewhere else or, you know, so it, it's those, um, yeah. yeah. Or work on getting a broadcasting job. If you're a photographer and your dream is to just do nothing but like band photos, but you're not getting much work. Don't just give up, like take wedding gigs and do that. Like the point is, is like, you know, it's not always the fun, romantic, you know, picture of like the perfect dream scenario, but Man, you got to be willing to put some skins on the wall, you know. Yep, yep, and 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 practice, and 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 it takes yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. So, 
I wanted to, I wanted to it was really fun um when Michael reached out um from the label because I just think the the time period that I want to talk about is back a little bit even though it never left for sure which you could for sure I could uh, yeah. do a whole podcast about but we'll we'll skip that for everybody but yeah it, you know emo never left but I I just let's let let's go back to you know you and I EVR uh those those years and you know what are what are some memories that you have now before we talk about what's kind of happening at at the moment but what when yeah. you look back you know at at that moment you know if we call it the myspace or call it that era what do you what 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 first comes to mind man well when you say myspace it just triggers like you know memories fond memories of when all of the the social platforms were still new or you know snapchat wasn't even a thing yet you know when myspace was around everybody was so accessible because it was so new and a lot of my early collaborations came from me being able to dm on myspace and almost anybody would respond totally like it didn't matter how famous you were because it was so new that there just wasn't a thing where like you get a thousand DMS in your Twitter inbox a day and you just start ignoring them or whatever. And, or you don't run your own accounts because everybody was just so fascinated and so hands-on and personal with it. So I loved that era. You know, I loved just the, the, the free spirit, uh, nature of, of the shows and the people and the music and, uh, I don't know, you know, it's and maybe because I associate it so closely with my own youth and innocence that I look at it in a very nostalgic but fond way. Like you said, it hasn't left, but it's like, man, I, I'll still get chills if I go to shows like the a couple weeks ago I saw Sunny Day play in Dallas. Dude, I mean total pros. It, <laughs> the the set was just perfect. Um or I'll see the starting line come through and I'll like stand in the back of the club and cry because it just makes me want to be back in that, that time so badly, you know? Right. I like, I like how it's almost like all of the things that I feel like are currently to blame for destroying humanity were still innocent and fun during the time you're speaking of <laughs> and so it's like i just look at it differently yeah you know? we knew it was good right you and i were like we yeah. were, we're at the warp tour we you know circa was taken off like there's all yeah. these things going on and we knew but the respect yeah. from the general other than fuse and a few things on mtv or a few <laughs> outlets right there yeah. wasn't there wasn't a reverence to it like indie rock and now it's sort of funny to see sold out arenas sold oh, out yeah. fucking stadiums for these records that at the yeah. time was shit on for sure. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think that there's just like connotations of of youth and, and less being less serious, right? It's kind of what happened to Sky. It's like with indie, it's like all older, more refined intellectuals like the national or pavement that are being clever with words and playing their instruments in a serious way. And then 
not that there's anything comical about emo, but it was very much like sort of punk rock kids that weren't always, you know, top tier jazz musicians or something like uh, putting some dissonant noise together, not worried as much about pitch with the vocals. And so to the sort of common passerby that hears it, they might just think it's, kids messing around or you know and only this time they sound sad or something i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm just making assumptions but um i also think that now we're at an age where like our kids and whatnot are looking at these bands sort of like how my parents might have seen led zeppelin or something like it's like um the musicianship comparison is is odd i know but it's like you know, it's that same nostalgia. It's like when I was growing up, everybody wore shirts, you know, Pink Floyd shirts. And now when kids are growing up, everybody are wearing My Chemical Romance shirts. I think that each generation is just captivated by the decade or two prior. For a band like you guys that crossed a lot of those eras, um, it's, it's, it's almost like you being a teacher, like you're kind of educating, like... Do you feel that? Like, I feel like the... That's interesting. I feel that. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I do. Now that you say that, I do. I, I instantly understand what you mean. I don't know if that's top of mind when we when we engage with fans or walk walk into a venue to play or whatever. But I do, I do see what you mean. Uh, sort of along the same lines, like... You know, I've been to some of the emo nights. I, I even DJed at one one time a couple of years back. And what I found was interesting is like the playlists at these emo nights are, you know, some 41 Good Charlotte Paramore. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see the perception from different age groups of what emo even is. Right. So there's a lot of like a lot of kids that are, you know, filling the the of course there's like the adults that want to go see my cam and, and relive that. But then there's also like a whole nother generation that's discovering my chemical romance, for instance, and they're just like, Oh my gosh, this band's so great. Those kids' perception of emo is like Paramore, Newfound Glory, Good Charlotte, some forty one. And I would say that that's more like pop punk, right? Like I understand why there's the the uh, emo adjacent category happening, but like I always leaned into the okay, emo was Get Up Kids, or you know, like right, um, or you know, if I wanted to feel like I was being like a purist, Rights of Spring or something, you know, like. But, um, or Dashboard's first album, or, you know, like, I don't know. Um, but it's just interesting to see how emo has evolved in terms of like, it's like a multifaceted word utilized to just describe anything that is, uh, involves emotions quite literally, or, um, 
I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, no. This there's a whole podcast about this that you're on. I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. Um, uh, <laughs> no, no, you're perfect. Yeah. This is actually a no, really that, no. I'm, I'm just no. It was that's like that's a good. That's a great point. But yeah, like <laughs> yes, it is. It, there's this, uh, and it was more. It was more making fun of myself because I was like, this is all we talk about. But it is a very yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think you bring up a really good point that there's these generations that pick up on certain bands and yeah like you said my chem went away i knew they were gonna come back there's too much money on the table um and when you know and then that band passed through and i think there's a correlation yeah. to punk right for yeah. punk people um it might be ramones for punk people it might be uh you know um uh, green day or it might be yeah. something else and but i found that punk sort of has this like pass through that like you know that it, it just has like or no effects like it has this sort of like a little bit more nebulous and i think emo yeah. just sort of became a punchline versus a music genre like it, it, sure. it, it was a way to crack a joke I, you know a lot of it is time and place too i mean yep. you look at i look at a, a band like turnstile right so like they're obviously you know gonna fall more into hardcore or whatever but you know you've got like the pink cover on glow on and like sort of the emo sensibilities are sort of adjacent to that mm -hmm. but it's like that band is on paper not a top 40 band yet they are their popularity right now is like they might as well be a top 40 band you yep. know what i mean absolutely and, and it's interesting because sort of like the sort of the question you raised earlier it, similarly it's like well when you know snapcase and uh undertow and all these other hardcore bands were were pioneering that scene you know 30 years ago it didn't leave the 500 capacity club what is it about now that has made it like everybody's ready for it now or something like i don't why tell me because i have yeah, no fucking I idea because i heard it i love turnstile yeah. i worked at warner when it was breaking i was in the yeah. room i saw these shows and i it was amazing i just was like it sounds like snapcase so did yeah, so, so did everybody miss snapcase yeah and i think that you know they're a great band and of course they're the the snap casing is is it's a loose comparison but i but there's a lot there's a lot there that it's a strong point to make is just like why are people ready for it one day but not another and i think maybe as i'm talking about this out loud what it comes down to is like you know when the snap cases of the world first break like the, i don't think that the originators not that snapcase is the originator of hardcore by any means but like i don't think the originators of a sound or someone that's doing something new or a pioneer is ever really the one to get big off of it absolutely you know? i heard get up kids i thought the same thing i'm like this is going to be cool they're going to be great but someone's going to copy this and make it more poppy Hundred percent, and that, and so yeah, as as we're as we're processing this, I think that's what that that's what would have happened is that over time, it people have evolved to just be ready for turnstile. I love you it. Know? So what about for what about the new sound of animals fighting? Why why now? Uh, what 
what transpired with this EP. You might have said this before, but I think it's worth maybe some people listening don't know the band or, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think, and this is the first new music in 15 years. For sure. The biggest thing is just, you know, we we don't tour very often. I don't know if and when we'll ever tour again. And it's like usually about every four or five years. And so um, we wanted to tour. Uh, I don't think it was like the pandemic itch where we're like, oh, we want to go out too. It was just like, hey, it feels like it's time. But this would have been like the third tour with no music. We'd still be touring on what would have been our last full length on Epitaph, The Ocean and the Sun, which came out in 2008. So it's like, we got to do something. And so it started out as an idea for a seven inch. And then our schedules got so complicated that we couldn't finish two songs as quickly as we thought. And so while we were waiting for vocal tracks to be finished on those two songs, we made two more and created an EP out of it. But the impetus was largely because like, Hey, like we still want this band to be viable. We want to go play uh, some shows, but we need to be able to have something new to show for it. And so uh, Ape Shit was born. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was it like? I mean, the writing, was it like just like back when, you know, it was was the same, like the same feeling? Yeah, pretty much. And what's interesting is like this, the the writing process and the recording process for this EP is really identical to the original EP in that we truly started with drums, sent the drums to the guitars, guitars put over their part over the drums and so on and so forth all the way to the vocals. So there was no time where we were like writing songs together. We were just like bound in true collaboration by having to layer over what we were given. And um, the couple of albums in between this and our first uh, EP weren't as much like that. We, we kind of did some of that, but there was a lot of like uh, production and song evolution and things like that. But this one was very like, you know, impulsive, uh, very just like, let's jump in and see what we can create and just set deadlines for ourselves and put a little healthy pressure on ourselves. And it worked out, I think, because I really feel like it sort of embodies the scope of the band's work in terms of like style. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean... You've, you're you're feeling good about it. Like, did it did it spark yeah. anything else? Like, you you love collaborations. Did it spark anything else while that was happening, I, or 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 past, or sorry, or post well, I, with I, all this coming out? Yeah, I think that we're all pretty proud of it to the same degree. And so, I think one big thing that's come out of it, and we haven't really discussed or put any plan in motion per se, but I think all of us sort of have an understanding that we'd love to try to do some more stuff because we we do think that you know there's a time where bands outstay their welcome but i think this ep showed us that we have some cool ideas still to explore and so we're probably going to do some sort of companion uh ep to ape shit that would be i i don't know we've discussed maybe doing like a something more on the mellow end that's like sort of like 
the anti-ape shit, um, but like a companion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to see the guys this weekend, so I'm sure it'll come up. But yeah, there's there's that, and just um, you know, it's another really cool thing that came out of it is that my kids are old enough now to like have seen us perform on this last tour and see what their dad used to do. And it's probably more important to me than it was to them, but I really wanted them to see like, Hey, your dad, you know, can be cool too. (laughs) As pathetic as that sounds. (laughs) I think that's fine. It's been a fucking minute. And I appreciate uh, you taking time for this. I know that you're incredibly busy. I feel like, you know, what you're doing has become, you know, pretty darn successful. And I love the angle you have with it and the and the interesting guests you have on. Now, that is crazy. The thing about, uh, was it Jeff from Game Face? His daughter, Melody. She's- His daughter. Yeah, that is amazing. That, what a cool concept. Like, um Jeez, I'm trying to think. There was a, there was a an album by Game Face that was just huge for me. Was it called Three to Get Ready? Three to Get Ready, '95. Dude, Three to Get Ready, 1995. I graduated high school in '95. I had that album on um, tape, and I remember in Southern California there was also a hardcore band called Straight Faced, and I would always yes! like. Straight faced. Uh, they had one yeah. song. They had one song. That was it. <laughs> yeah, dude. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, Game Face. Yeah, Game Face was cool because they were always like a little bit more musical than some of their peers, I thought. And I don't know. Absolutely. Cool, I saw Game Face open for Texas is the Reason and the Promise Ring at the Troubadour in L.A. And that's that's where you grew up, right? In this in. So for Cal- sure. Yeah, I was in Southern California and I saw I think a couple shows on that Texas Promise Ring tour. Uh but man, I loved Texas is the reason. Oh yeah. my gosh. Now were you Orange yeah. County or were you proper LA? I was technically LA County, but on like right on the border. I could walk across the street and be in Orange County. I was born in Anaheim, which is in Orange County. I I lived over by Knott's Berry Farm. Oh wow, that is really yeah. fucking close. Yeah, you literally could just walk back and forth. Yeah, for sure. Wow, for sure. And that yeah. I mean, for for you going to shows and you know, I oh mean, obviously gosh, yeah. it was like a, I mean, it was everything everything dude i like i reminisce all the time about some of the shows that there was a place in corona california the showcase theater and they just had i mean one show i went to there was like strife earth crisis snap case like every big hardcore band in the world at that time was playing like on the same bill um was 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 that was that the fucking california takeover tour sounds like i don't it. know i yeah maybe i don't remember if it had a title or not i just remember like i loved opening the magazines because when there used to be like the free magazines at the record store one of them was called mean street i would always pick that up and open it up and there'd be a big old ad for the shows coming up at showcase theater um so i don't know i like getting nostalgic about <laughs> all the shows that i've seen 
<laughs> maybe we do another where it's just nostalgia. Yeah. Maybe you maybe you rack your brain, go look at the zines and some flyers, and then yeah. we we could do like a SoCal nostalgia trip with Rich Balling. For sure. Okay. I tried to keep a bunch of my ticket stubs, but they've started to fade over the years. I have them in a book. Uh like a like oh, a, nice. like a straight up like a three ring binder. And I like I like put them on pieces of paper and it's like all my Mets tickets. Like obviously it's so sh- like I was funny with with Sunny Day, I got to get a physical ticket and I just was so happy because I hate oh, like cool. I hate the digital. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? Screenshot yeah. it, print it out. Like, it's gone. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Pedro, the Lion's coming. I think this weekend they're doing like two yeah. albums in full. And I haven't decided if I'm going to go to that or not. I think it'd be cool. And also on the nostalgia tip, never in my life did I think I'd see the Postal Service. So I'm excited about that. Oh, and I have tickets for, it's like in two, or no, it's in May, uh, Curses Domestica. Hell yeah. Because Domestica is, that's my album. Like, everybody comes at me with the ugly organ, no way. Nah, bro. Domestica. And maybe it's because, maybe because Domestica is like my entry point, and sometimes we tend to favor our first experiences, you know? But I just think it's a superior album, dude. Well, uh, Rich, thanks for doing this. For sure, anytime. I appreciate the opportunity, man. It's good to catch up. Thanks for everything.